Welcome to the All Persons Fictitious Podcast. Any resemblance to actual persons, living or dead, is more than likely a passive-aggressive insult. This is a podcast about short fiction, independent fiction, self-published fiction, and the format is going to work like this. A writer will read one of his or her stories and then give a little discussion about its ideas and inspiration and anything else the author wants to talk about. Truth be told, at this point, I'm the only author contributing to this. I would like to change that down the road, but for at least these first few episodes, this will be me reading some of my stories and talking a little bit about my thinking as I wrote them. Before I begin with today's story, which is called Kayfabe, I should probably tell you a little bit about myself. I uh, live in the United States. I live in Northeast Ohio. I'm a teacher. I teach high school English at an independent private school. Uh, but before uh, this school year, in fact, for the past 12 school years, I was working and living internationally, teaching at international schools and living in different countries. I mention that because a lot of the short fiction that I'll read on this podcast has kind of either an international setting or international perspective or maybe looks at life in the United States from the critical perspective of someone who has lived abroad, as, as I have. Uh, so, I uh, again, I am in the United States now in the wake of COVID. I think like a lot of people, it's, it's led to a life change. But before that, I was living in China for the last six years, Vietnam, Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam for four years before that, and Cairo, Egypt for two years before that. So those settings show up in a lot of my stories because I wrote many of them as I was living in those countries, but also the ones that I wrote here in the United States, I kind of reflect back on my time living in those countries. Uh, today's story, Kayfabe, is not set in a foreign country at all. It's set in the United States, and I'm going to talk a little bit about it, but I want to I wanna read the story first. So, here is the story, Kayfabe. Oh wait, before I begin, I should point out that Kayfabe was previously published in issue 3 of a uh, independent fiction anthology called Medium Chill. Uh, yeah, so Medium Chill, issue 3, came out in January 2019. It's available on Amazon. You can still buy a hard copy of it. Uh, you can also find Kayfabe, like all of my stories, or I guess most of my stories, at allpersonsfictitious.net. Okay, so now here is the story, Kayfabe. Of course, Lisa was the first to figure it out. As the four cousins knelt on the green shag carpet playing a board game and the nearby television blared professional wrestling, their mom sat around the dining table sipping something they jokingly called sweet tea and conversing in an incomprehensible foreign tongue. The moms had done this as long as the cousins could remember, and because everything is simultaneously novel and completely ordinary for kids, a secret adult language wasn't really so unusual. When it was her turn to roll the dice, Lisa leaned in close over the board, now strewn with cards and game pieces, and confided, I know what they're saying. I mean, I can understand their language. Really? Mark asked. What are they saying right now? 
On the TV, Hulk Hogan knelt in center ring, the recipient of a brutal beating from Macho Man Randy Savage. It looked like this would be the end of his glorious reign as heavyweight champion of the world. The ringside announcer spoke in raised, high-pitched tones, barely capturing their disbelief at this shocking turn of events. I probably shouldn't say anything, Lisa said. It's not very nice, and it's about your dad. Come on, Chris said. Just tell us. We don't care. Lisa thought about that for a minute, considering whether or not to give up her advantage as sole translator of this alien code. Finally, she said, They call it carnival. My mom learned it from a friend when she was little. Then she taught it to your mom so they could have a secret sister language grandma and grandpa couldn't understand. Now, they use it to gossip in front of us about adult stuff. Mark looked surprised. Wait, are we seriously carnies? No, Lisa laughed. My mom's friend learned it from her family. Maybe they were carnies or con artists or something. I don't know. Okay, Jeremy said. So how does carnival work? It's really easy, Lisa said. You just insert an ease sound into each syllable of a word. So a word like carnival becomes keys are knees of easel. How do you say dog? Chris asked. Dezog. How about Batman? Bezatmezan. Oh, okay. This was a minor revelation. The cousins had long grown accustomed to their moms buzzing like bees whenever they got together, but had never really considered that these sounds might actually convey meaning. Lisa rolled the dice and advanced six places. She collected a card, but didn't share whatever ominous fate it foretold. So what are they saying? Mark asked. I mean, we know our parents fight all the time. They think they're hiding it from us, but they're not. As Lisa decoded that Mark and Chris's dad was always drunk and couldn't hold down a job and had his buddies over every day to smoke pot in the garage, Jeremy found his attention drawn to the television. Hogan seemed to be rallying. Although Macho Man continued to rain blows upon him, the champ held his head high as if unfazed. Clearly, the tide was beginning to turn. Your dad didn't go bear hunting in Alaska last year, Lisa said. He was in jail for a week. Chris noticed Jeremy's shift in focus and said, Here's where the Hulkster stops feeling those punches and shakes his head like, No way, man. Then we'll throw Macho Man into the ropes, leg drop him or body slam him, and then pin him. It'll all be over soon. Just then, Mark and Chris's dad entered the room as the women continued to drink their tea and gossip in carnival. He had long curly hair and was dressed in a mesh muscle shirt and patterned athletic pants. He said, There you witches go again with your gypsy curses. The women laughed amiably as he leaned down and kissed Mark and Chris's mom on the lips. As he left the room, the women immediately started speaking in carnival again. Lisa said, She just said she's going to leave him as soon as she has enough money. Whoa, really? Mark asked. He and Chris looked momentarily stricken. They seemed fine. They were just kissing. Sorry, Lisa said. I knew I shouldn't have said anything. On the TV, Hogan staged the exact reversal Chris had predicted. As the champion clenched Macho Man to lift him for a finishing body slam, the two wrestlers exchanged a quick look and what seemed to Jeremy to be a nod. He wasn't sure whether or not he had imagined it, but soon enough, 
Hogan slammed Savage to the mat for a quick three count and thunderous applause from the audience. Lisa won the board game, as usual. As the cousins picked up the cards and tokens and put away the board, Jeremy stopped to watch a minute of Hulk Hogan's post-match ringside interview with me and Gene Okerlund. Still champion, he was larger than life in his victory, yet humble in his evocation of training, eating vitamins, and being true to oneself and country in securing this monumental comeback. The moms emptied their glasses and sat silently for a few seconds. They were smiley and sort of glazed over from the tea. Then they rose from the dining table as though through an unspoken accord and moved to the kitchen to begin final preparations for dinner. You kids hungry? Lisa's mom asked. Jeremy's mom said, This pot roast has been cooking all day. It should be good and tender by now. Finally, Mark and Chris's mom said, Go tell your dad dinner will be ready soon. Ask if his friends are staying. They're in the garage. Jeremy's mom shot her a look and said, Tease all these M, these A, these A, teaser, he's all these air, breathes he's out these air. Across the room, Lisa's eyebrows raised, but of course no one needed a translation just then. Yet rather than point out to their moms how much they now understood, the four cousins played along and helped set the dinner table, complicit as adults. So, that was Kayfabe from issue three of the independent fiction anthology Medium Chill, available on Amazon. I, uh, I wrote that story sometime in 2018, and it came out in January 2019 in that issue. I want to talk a little bit about the story, but um, I think about this kind of explanations of stories. I don't know if you've read the writer Ted Chiang. He's very popular. He writes science fiction stories. He wrote uh, Story of Our Life and others that they made the movie The Arrival on, and then he wrote a, a book called Exhalation. And uh, he always does these explanations of his stories. To tell you the truth, I'm only kind of lukewarm on his stories. I don't know. They don't work for me for whatever reason. But other people seem to really love his stories. But he does this thing either right after the story or in an ind- or in, sorry, appendix where he, uh, where he talks about the story and what it's about. And his are always based on these, like, this story is based on a mathematical theorem. And I don't have anything like that. It's really just... Most of the stories are vaguely autobiographical, and then I, you know, get in there and mix things up and change people and conflate people and turn them into fiction. And so Kayfabe is no different from any other story that I've written in that respect. Uh, When I was a kid, my mom and her sisters, she has four sisters, they really did speak this language called carnival, which was full of all these ease sounds. It was exactly like that. Carnival was keys are knees of easel. And um, I don't really know where they learned it. I think it was indeed the case that one of my aunts had a friend who taught her, and then she taught her sister. So they would have this kind of sister secret code that became a parent secret code. I think my cousin Lori or my brother was the one who cracked the code because they were a little bit older, and they uh, they taught me and my cousins Mike and Chad, who are more or less my age, to understand it. I don't think Mike and Chad ever really got it. Like I don't think they bothered to try to figure it out. 
but I did, and so I was able to kind of overhear when they were talking, and so that part's real. The uh, the conflicts and the wife leaving the husband, that's made up. I just needed some kind of tension. When I would overhear my mom and her sister speaking carnival, it was, you know, fairly mundane stuff. It wasn't anything nearly as dramatic as in the story. So that part's changed. Also, I don't remember an exact moment where we ever sat and played a board game while the while the moms were drinking sweet tea. In fact, the sweet tea is is probably a made-up fact, too. They literally did drink sweet tea, but in the story, I give the impression that it's actually booze they're drinking. And uh, I don't know. I don't really remember them drinking booze when I was a kid. Uh, about the title, if you're not familiar, kayfabe comes from professional wrestling. It's the... Uh, it's the idea of staying in character, not uh, letting on that anything that is fake is fake. So it's this kind of code of silence around the fake or scripted aspects of professional wrestling. And I chose it because, <clears throat> sorry, I chose it because, well, for one, professional wrestling and carnivals kind of started in similar ways. They were sort of regional circuits of people who went town to town and entertained people but also kind of fleeced them out of their money a little bit and uh and the carnival language that i use in here is just one of many of these sort of argot or cant languages that uh that people in carnivals and circuses and traveling like tent revivals and professional wrestling circuits they would use these sort of secret languages to um well, to talk about customers in front of them if they were running a scam or, you know, even if there were just things that the customers didn't need to know. So I combined professional wrestling and the mom's speaking carnival for that reason. But also, you know, if there's a if there's a theme to the story, it's that the character Jeremy in simultaneously learning the language of his mom and her sisters learning that one of his aunts is going to leave her husband, and kind of learning at the same time that televised professional wrestling is fake, comes to this sort of awareness of the fact that adult life is fake. That it's, you know, a facade, it's performative, whatever. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a conclusion that, that a lot of kids end up coming to. They find out, you know, that Santa Claus isn't real or the Easter Bunny or whatever, or they find out that their parents aren't really in love or pretending, or they find out that, you know, there are all these skeletons in the closet of, of whatever loved one, um, mom or dad. And so in this story, I really wanted to have Jeremy see in the wrestling match this moment where the two wrestlers kind of exchange a knowing glance because they're clearly choreographing the choreographing the outcome to the <laughs> to this scripted match and also um, at the same time realize the performance of his aunt and her sisters and again come to the conclusion that that's what adulthood is it is pretense and pretending and I don't know. I don't know if that's true, necessarily. I think there's some moments of honesty in adulthood, but there's also a lot of performance. So yeah, I chose that story for the first one because it's um, 
it's short it's easy to read it's barely over a thousand words um in my discussion i i just wanted to talk kind of about that deliberate choice i'd made as the uh as the author to use professional wrestling as sort of a parallel example of what jeremy and and the other kids were experiencing and understanding their parents secret language which i guess is its own kind of kayfabe i don't know i'm an english teacher i should be better at talking about this than than, than i am but that's yeah that's kind of what i was going for and uh that's also how this podcast will function if you become a subscriber or a listener or i don't know recommend it to somebody it will be uh read the story talk a little bit about the ideas again i'm not as cool as ted chang so i won't be able to relate it to some philosopher or scientific development of the 18th century or whatever he does or obscure idea from physics that only he and a niche segment of his audience understand but that's what i'll do in this podcast so if you liked what you hear um subscribe I uh, leave me feedback. I'd love to hear it. You can leave me feedback wherever you subscribe to your podcast, or you can uh, you can tweet me. Um, I'm at a man called Jay, or you can uh, you send me an email, Jason R. Simon at gmail.com. And if you are a writer, a self-published writer or fiction writer, whether I know you or not, get in touch if you want to read and discuss one of your stories. I do want it to be um, fiction that hasn't found as much of an audience like my own fiction and so uh you know people who publish in the new yorker don't need help but i'd like this to kind of give a little bit of exposure to less known fiction so that's all for the first episode i hope you enjoyed it and i'll try to get these out maybe twice a month all right have a good day everybody